Hey, 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 what is going on, everybody? This is your boy, Bez Barami. Happy and healthy New Year to you all. I am so excited for what this year has in store and just executing on it day in and day out, seeing where the portfolio ends up, you know, executing on the companies, personal goals, you name it. So excited to be doing this uh, with you guys. The goal is to get out a lot more podcasts. I'm hoping to shoot the first YouTube video today, have that uploaded soon. So really, really excited for all the content that's coming for you guys. Um, today's episode is going to be episode two of our Q&A. So our Q&A session, we fielded some questions out there and um, we wanted to run through them. We got a lot of good feedback from this uh, last time. So um, let's go ahead and jump into uh, these questions. So the first one we we got via email was, um, what is the hardest thing about starting a business? Okay, how do I keep this under an hour this episode? <laughs> All right, so let's just start from the beginning here. Um, I founded Cube and some other companies um, over the course of the last two, two and a half years. Um, and... When I started them, I was still on Wall Street. I was still working uh, with J.P. Morgan. And the hardest part at that time, see, during different times, you're going to have things that are harder at different periods. So at first, time management. I mean, when you're in the office for 60, 70 hours a week, whatever it have you, um, and it's even if it's a, a short week, a 40-hour week, a 50-hour week, it's still a lot of time. And starting a company, especially in the beginning stages, takes a lot, a lot of perseverance. So essentially, I would get home at like 8 o'clock and I would have to uh, eat real quick and pretty much get right into it, grab a Red Bull, grab whatever, and work on whatever I got to get done for the company um, from like eight o'clock to one o'clock in the morning and then repeat. So in the beginning, uh, it was really time management and making sure that my work didn't slack at the office because uh, that's never a good thing and, and you don't want to go down that path. So in the beginning, time management, and I guess you could say that that's always going to be something that's difficult. But now, you know, we, we if we look back and rewind a little bit, um, after I left JP Morgan, the hardest thing is, is growing the business. And I would say it is getting the attention of people is very difficult. Um, so like you could have the best product in the world, the best service in the world, right? But getting in front of the people's eyes, growing a brand is so much harder than it sounds. It, it really is. It, even just trying to differentiate yourself amongst competitors, very difficult. Um, but I, I would say that um, amongst all these things, what could potentially be the hardest, and it's not even about the business, is about mentally staying in it. Uh, I, I've got to say, when you're starting a company, it is so mentally draining. It, it really, really is. And if you own a company or you're starting one right now, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, there are days you get up and you're like, damn, is this going to make it? You know, is is it worth the time? Is it worth the stress? You know, and, and you have to stick it out. You, you never know how close you are to just 
you know, blowing up. And um, so sticking with it is hard and not and not knowing how much more you should give in, like put into it. Right. Right. Like, think about it. And the same applies to like a stock. It's like you're owning it, you're owning, it, you're owning it. It's not moving. It's not moving. When do you cut the losses? When or when do you just cut it off? And it's that nonstop questioning that is hard to channel out. Sometimes you have to really sit back and say, "Okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to stick it out." And these are the reasons why. So I know I'm going in a lot of different directions with this because it's really a hard question. The hardest thing about starting a business is um not about raising money it's not about pricing it's not about even like advertising it's about executing and making sure you're managing your time well managing your resources your team well and keeping yourself mentally fresh because it's a lot of stress it's really you versus yourself a lot of times some mornings you wake up and it's like Hell, other days you wake up and you're just like, let's go. So I would say keep calm. Remember why you started the company. Remember what you're doing this for. And everything will pretty much fall into place if you're providing value for people. If you're providing value for people, it will always prevail. You just have to stick it out. Patience is so tough to have. I mean, everyone's like, be patient, be patient. That is like the one skill I would always recommend somebody to build is patience. Because everything takes time. Everything that you want good takes time. I guess you could say if this was like a, you know, because it also matters in the business you're starting. If you're starting a drop shipping company, okay, your ads are either working for you or they're not at that point. Because you're not really focused on building a brand. You're just focused on selling product, getting it out, and that's it. ROI on your ads. Make sure your Shopify store is optimized, yada, yada, yada. But that is never what we focused on. You know, I'm, we're trying to build brands here, trusted brands that provide real value over a long, long period of time. So that's that's what I would say to the first question. Let's um let's move on to the second. I don't want to stick too long in each one. Um, when to know when to leave a company. OK, so this guy gave a little background story about um, where he's at with things. And uh, he's, he started a company. He's still in, in a corporate setting and he's not sure when to leave. I can speak to this um, pretty much uh, to a really good extent here. Um, I would say you leave when, okay, because you have to time it really well. I would even argue that I left a little too early. I'll be honest with you. I think I might have left a little prematurely. And um, looking back, perhaps I could have held off for like another six months. It probably would have been a, a little less risky and a little less hit to the pocket because obviously... You know, you're leaving the salary. So what I would say is um, there's a few times when you know when a good signal is to leave. One is if the companies are gaining traction. You can't leave when they're fully moving, when the things are like popping off and you're still in the corporate setting. That isn't, that's too. That's almost too late because you slip up on customer service, you slip up with something, and you can lose all the momentum. That's just how these things work. You really have to capitalize and keep the ball moving. At the same time, you can't leave too early because now you, have, you might have a cash flow problem. And, um, and you're not even sure if the business has proven itself. So there's this middle ground that you can feel. You can see it. It, you know, it. it doesn't happen overnight. There's some time there where you can assess everything. Because 
one, you also need to make sure that your your work is not being affected in the office. Because if by some case, and it's a possibility, startups don't always work out, okay, and you have to go back to the to the corporate setting, you could be looking at a case in which you go back and you don't want to burn any bridges. Like that's the that's just the cold hard facts. You want to make sure you're hedging as much risk as possible. So if the company if the startups do fail, and you're like, okay, crap, I I gotta go back to making money, you don't want to call back your old boss or ask for a referral and not you know to to work at another company maybe in the same industry. And you don't you don't want to get bad feedback uh, or a bad referral or someone say, nah, I can't do it, man. You know, for X Y Z purposes. So you don't want to. You want to make sure your work is not being hindered. You know, it's also not even fair to the to the team that you work on. If you actually care about where you work, it's not cool. It's not cool to um, slack at the office, make other people carry your, your you know your workload or make up for your mistakes. You never want that. So you need to make sure that that is um, taken care of. Make sure you also are leaving enough notice for your team. Um. And then go from there. Uh, see, knowing when to leave, it's so tough. It really is. You know, the day I left the corporate life, um, it was, it was uh, awesome. Actually, I'm not gonna lie. It felt invigorating. It was amazing. Yeah, of course you have this sense of nervousness. Like, that's it. You're stepping out on your own now. You know, there's there's a lot you're giving up. There's a lot you're going for. Um, I wouldn't have it any other way. And I'm hoping, you know that we continue to push on all fronts with our company so I never have to go back. But that should always motivate you to keep pushing uh, because you can always end up back. Things happen, businesses fail, things turn upside down, whatever have you. So um, when to leave comes down to where your companies are currently at, where your savings are at. Make sure you build up enough of a nest egg because you don't want to leave with little in the bank. Because you're going to need something to float you unless the companies are cash flow positive. But I would argue that if they're cash flow positive that much, then you wouldn't even be in, at the corporate life. You wouldn't even be there right now. You probably would have left already. For example, if, you, if your company is making you 10 grand a month profit, I would say that you probably already left. I mean, I, everyone's different, but I, I definitely would have left by then. Because at that point, you need to be focusing on growing your team, growing everything. Your, you know, customer service needs to be there because you're obviously doing a lot of business. Um, you need to make sure everything's on point. You, if, you're, if your business is that sustainable, you're looking to invest that money into itself, into the company and do things like that. So um, do it in a matter that mitigates risk, not just financially, but also with your connections, with your work at, at the corporate setting, Every way. The, the goal is not to just watch a YouTube video that motivates you and then you're like, you know what? I'm calling out tomorrow. I'm done. I'm quitting. Let's be a little smarter than that. Okay? We don't need to do anything like that. We got to hedge as much risk as possible and then, and then go from there. Um, so, quick recap on that question. Not too soon, not too late. Make sure the companies have proven themselves that there's a demand for your product or service in the beginning stages. Two, make sure it's not too late where your customers are needing some kind of help or your vendors are needing this, needing that, or you're not letting the companies grow fast enough. They need your time 
and you're not you're at the office office 50 hours a week you're not there to give the companies the, the time they need to to continue their growth and at the same time just make sure you got the money saved up and everything is working out um oh really quick i actually want to add to this game plan and strategize what your goal is after you quit so for example i always had an idea that i'd be an entrepreneur i, I did i didn't know how long it would take if i was going to come upon the the right business the you know the right time i didn't know but i had a feeling it was going to happen in my 20s um this i always just had this gut feeling so in anticipation for such things i and i live here on the east coast i live out in jersey i decided i'm not going to get a car i'm going to take the bus into manhattan I decide I'm not gonna live in Manhattan. Okay, that's another thing. I uh, I want to cut and my costs, keep everything as low as possible. I was willing to not live that lifestyle in anticipation that I'm ready when it's time. So I saved, let's say, what's what's a Toyota cost? Listen, I'm not even trying to ball out. This is Toyota, maybe three hundred a month, two fifty a month on a Toyota. After gas and insurance, maybe a little more. Okay, then you look at rent in Manhattan. Okay, this is a whole nother thing. I don't want to go into it. I don't feel like splitting bedrooms with a curtain in Manhattan. If you're going to do Manhattan, you do it the right way. Get yourself a bedroom and drop the roomies. College is done with. That's my take at least. So what's that? Another $1,500 a month for a hole in the wall. Maybe even two grand. Mm, not looking to do all that. Not looking to do all that. And as, a, as, as it worked out, I saved thousands by not living in Manhattan for two years. And I actually used the bus rides to get work done to and from uh, the office. You know, boom, hop online, start working on the website, working on, you know, building connections, whatever. So prepare. It's, it's all these little things, these intricate things. Prepare for it. Lower your overhead. Get as lean as possible. In order for your company to strive, you're going to have to keep costs low and it's not it's never pretty you got to eat shit I, it, everyone has to i'm still eating shit are you kidding me so this is just a normal swing of things but uh i hope i answered your question there number 3 okay this is a little different this one's about uh our my hobbies okay i love to read i actually want to do an episode on like my favorite books um that would be pretty cool uh just a couple like the lean startup is one of my favorite favorite books um the intelligent entrepreneur um Good to great, built to last. Love those kind of books. Um, if I want to really go back to my childhood, I'm a huge fan of the series of unfortunate events. Uh, <laughs> but uh, aside from that, I'm a big. Um, I used to be a football fan, not so much. It's easy not to be a fan anymore when you're when you like the Jets. Um, I'm a Red Sox fan. I hope it doesn't piss anybody off. I know. How can you be from Jersey and like the Sox? Well, I grew up with Mets fans, so it was pretty easy to leave that. But also when I played. My first uh, Little League game out here in Jersey, because I was born in New York, and when we moved to Jersey, my first Little League team was the Red Sox in 2003. I was like, you know what? I'm sticking with this team. For those that know sports, they know that the Yankees walked off on the Sox in the ALCS in 2003 with Aaron Boone's home run off Tim Wakefield. Forever then, from that point on, hate the Yankees forever. Red Sox come back, win in 2004. I go to the World Series in 2007. Uh, to watch them play game one at Fenway Park, and the rest is history. So I got to enjoy a nice little World Series win this year too. Uh, I'm a Knicks fan, so if you all ever want to go catch a game, if you're in the New York area, let me know. 
Um, uh, other hobbies include I love to go to the gym, I like to run, love to swim, uh, things like that. And just so I can make this a little more valuable, make sure you guys are making a little bit of time for these hobbies. Uh, I know that everybody that listens to these, for the most part, is busting their ass. Otherwise, this, this podcast doesn't even pertain to you. There's pretty much no reason you're listening. So I would say that uh, make sure you make time because it's all about keeping the body, the mind fresh, you know, uh, working work. I work a ton. You know, I easily work 13 hours plus a day easily. Um, I never take a day off. And you have to make sure you're making those little slips of time to keep keep yourself fresh from and, and avoiding yourself from blowing a gasket. Uh, question number four, investment strategy. Okay, if you're a subscriber, then you know this like the back of your hand. Um, damn, we're talking like 24-7 in the, in the group chat and you all are seeing the documents. We sound that every month, uh, like 40 plus pages of documents every month. The investment strategy is pretty um, straightforward. It's a long, short blend. Uh, I'm looking to get more into options in 2019. What I'm actually thinking about doing is with this YouTube video, I want to say take a thousand dollars and just manage it in like a Robinhood account, so people can just watch what I would do with a thousand dollars if I had it today, right? If that's all I had, how I would do like work with a thousand dollars in options, and just like do like a weekly video on on how that's going. Obviously, not our big big portfolio, but how I would just do a thousand dollars today, you know? Um, I think that'd be pretty cool. Uh, just something for like a lot of like the beginners watching. Not that I'm saying you should get into options trading. No, but it would be cool to do something like that. Uh, but for the bigger portfolio, uh, it's definitely weighted longer term. Uh, not we're not a day trading type of uh, company. We don't we don't really like to do that. It's not our strategy. I've tried in the past. Uh, too stressful and for me not worth the reward given the risk. Uh, I like to wa- look at companies that I believe are not being priced in accordingly, that have big growth potentials, and the com- the, the the market is just not seeing it yet. Um, so I really like those kind of plays. Um, it's well diversified. And um, for those who are subscribers, our 2019 Outlook top stock list is coming out in the next couple of weeks. Right now we're just uh, gathering all the data and information there. We have some really, really cool names that we think are going to pop off in 2019. So um, if you are listening to this, seriously, you should give this subscription a try. I mean, there's a reason almost everybody stays and hasn't left. And competitors are well into the hundreds of dollars a month. You know, we're at 40 a month right now, which is really nothing uh, in the grand scheme of things, given what we're doing for everybody. Um, so, yeah, the investment strategy, long, short blend. I would say the average average hold is probably around a year, if not longer, give or take a few months. Um, we do swing sometimes, but that's only if something like pops off unexpectedly. Like we owned Billy Billy at one point and we bought it at like 11 bucks. Two weeks later, it shot to 14 or something like that, 1350 and we sold it. I mean, when that happens, you just got to take your gains and move on to the next thing, I guess, or just wait for it to come back. So that's what that, ha- that's what, uh, that's probably the closest we'll get to like a, 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 a trade. It's like a weekly swing. Uh, that's just what we found was best for us. Okay, fifth question. Hope you all are enjoying this. I know we're 20 minutes in, but if you got a decent commute, then then maybe I'm keeping you entertained. Fifth, worst investment made, best investment made, worst investment. I think we covered this a long time ago. Worst investment was GoPro, without a doubt. Bought that at 20. 
bought some more 18, sold everything at 16, something like that. It was years ago. It's like $4 now. Uh, good luck there. Uh, was the CEO's name? Nick Woodman. Yeah. Good luck with that. Um, I love the products. Hate the stock. Uh, best investment made. Hmm. Trying to think here. Biggest gainer. Biggest gainer. Huh. I remember uh, many years ago, there was this like pharmaceutical company. I bought them at a buck. Uh, I was such a young, like a young investor at this point. Bought them a dollar. They went the next day or two days later to three. So that was like a nice two, 300% gain, you know, 200% gain in a couple of days. That was pretty cool. It was, it was sheer luck. I did not know that was going to happen. I wasn't, I was barely even reading charts at that time, but that was like my best percent gain. Um, but yeah, if uh, if you look at the portfolio, we've we made some pretty good gains. Uh, our short on Best Buy was a really good one. Shorted Best Best Buy at like 80, 79, covered at like the low 60s, something like that. I have to look back. It, that was a couple months ago. So that was probably one of the better gains too. The AMD short was good from 30 to 25. Covered way too early though. Could have waited out a couple more months, covered to 18, but it's all right. So those are some of them. Um... Number six, best tips for someone in college. Uh, I would actually advise you to go ahead and listen to uh, one of the episodes we did, Is College Worth It? That will definitely tell you what the best tips are. I'll recap really quickly of what that was about, was taking advantage of your connections uh, with your professors, with your uh, you know people you live in the dorm with, people you're around, because uh, college is one of those interesting scenarios where you're just around so many people in such a confined campus, confined area that the opportunities are endless. So start an Instagram page, start a blog, start a start a YouTube channel, start something and leverage the people around you to grow to grow the uh, the user base. So that's something that I would say to do. Don't just use school to learn. Um, I think, yeah, question number 10 is, uh, do I think college is a necessity? So I guess we, I always knew we have a lot of college um, listeners. So College is not a necessity. Um, in fact, I would argue that you have to think more about whether college is right for you today than ever before. The prices are at, like per year are astronomical. It is crazy, and you have to look at college as an ROI. Okay, you're gonna put money down. You're gonna take out a loan. Okay, so you're gonna leverage up. Some of these colleges like sixty something thousand a year at this point. Okay. Let's say you just do a full-blown loan. You're out a quarter million, a quarter million in debt. That is gonna you're gonna have to start paying that. Most likely in November, once you graduate in May, the payments start in November. That interest is accumulating. The principal you got to pay. Chances are it's a longer than a ten-year loan. You're gonna be paying a lot. Okay, I know you have to ask yourself: Is what you're going to school for worth it? If you're getting a degree in a field where the cap is 100 grand a year, 120 grand a year. I got news for you. I don't know if that investment's worth it. Cuz this is how we have to look at it. College ain't cheap like our like are right, not my parents, but other people's parents. I talk to them all the time. When they went to school, they paid less in books. They paid less in semester what we pay for books. They like think about that. They paid like 5 grand for the year to go to college. We paid like what two grand in books, $1,500 in books. It's almost identical for the semester. And 
we have to ask ourselves, is college worth it? If you're going to get a uh, a position or a, a job in something that's going to pay you a lot, then great. But I would really, really encourage you to do your research on whether or not that investment is going to have ROI. Think about it. I, I was just talking to, I was at this uh, little gathering and this girl I was talking to, um, I didn't know her. I, I was introduced to her. She got a, she was, so she's been working for a couple of years. Um, she's making like 45,000 a year or something like that. And she's getting, uh, she's commuting to the city now. Supposedly she's going to get a raise, right? And she's going to be around like 50,000, 55,000 a year uh, salary. And now she was talking about how she wants to move to Hoboken. For those that are not from the East Coast, Hoboken is pretty much neck and neck with Manhattan when it comes to rent. It's a it's an awesome area, cool area, young area. It's popping. Everyone loves to pretty much go there. Um, super expensive to live there, though. And I'm saying to myself, and I even encourage, I said, I don't know if that's the smartest idea. Personally, you don't want to waste a lot of your money uh, on rent, you know? Especially when... Let me tell you something. Living in Manhattan, living in Hoboken, living in Brooklyn, uh, 50-something thousand ain't cutting it. I got news for you. And you all have, we have listeners in California, we have listeners all over the place. Saying $50,000, $60,000 in San Fran ain't cutting it. It's just not going to do it. And, you know, you've been working for a few years now and you're still at 50-something thousand. I hoped, and, and now this is what I'm just trying to bring in full circle. I hope this person did not... Um, go ahead and spent a hundred fifty thousand, two hundred thousand dollars a year at school, because between her school loans, if she has some, okay, and that rent, good luck. You you might be operating at a net loss every month, considering the five to ten dollars a day in coffee, the freaking ten to fifteen dollars a day in lunch, the path to come into Manhattan every day, every month. I mean, going out, right? You like to party, you like to have fun. Good luck. Good luck. I mean, this is my point. You got we got to ask ourselves, is this amount worth it? I believe when we did the podcast last time, the tu- college tuition is doubling, I think every 8 years. Okay. Is our are our wages doubling every 8 years? No, they're not. Okay? They're growing around 3% year over year. When college, I think, is growing around 8 to 9% in, in tuition costs year over year. So that leads us to question, more than ever before, is it worth your time? Is it worth the money? So let's move on to the next question. Um, oh, this is an interesting one. This is an interesting one. How to handle relationships? All right, I'm going to be straight up here. I'm probably not the guy to ask. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be straight up with you. Uh, I'm such a workaholic, and this is actually, call it corny, one of my New Year's resolutions for 2019 is to do a much, much better job on uh, relationships, do a much better job on uh, even just, you know, making more time for friends, family, uh, me time. Uh, It's just so difficult. It's so difficult. Today, everything's moving at 100 miles an hour. So the best tips I would tell you for relationships is to ask somebody who's in relationships often. <laughs> um, I'm, yeah, I'm probably not the guy to ask for that. Uh, if I had to say, right, I, 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 sometimes I'm that friend 
that um, I'm the guy that will give you relationship advice and not even be the one in them. So it's kind of hypocritical. Uh, but I guess you get a fresh perspective if if that's how you want to look at it. <laughs> um, yeah, so I've actually seen uh, relationships take a shit because of startups. And it sucks. It sucks. It's just sometimes the other person uh, gets a little upset, you know, because of how much time is involved. So if you are in a relationship right now, what I would say is um, talk to your boyfriend or girlfriend about what you're about to step into if they don't already know it, that it's going to be time consuming, it's going to be stressful. And what you have to do, I would say, and this is what I'm preparing myself for, is to make sure that whatever you have going on in the startup or in whatever it is you're doing that's going to take a lot of time, make sure you don't misplace and displace that anger or that stress onto your counterpart because um, chances are that's not going to end well and probably end fast. So I would say that much um, with regard to that. And uh, yeah, yeah. Um, can't really give you much more than that. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's move on to the next question. Uh, how do you manage taking days off? All right. Uh, I guess these all kind of go hand in hand. I would say that, um, yeah, taking days off doesn't happen too much in my life. I actually don't even remember the last time I took a day off. I always at least do something. I always at least work a couple hours a day. Even on my days off, I'm still getting things done. It most you know, it would most people probably can still consider it a day of work, but for me, I would consider that my day off. But um, even when I went on vacation for my cousin's wedding uh, in Europe. I took my laptop with me, made sure I had Wi-Fi wherever I was, and I was still working three, four hours a day. Um, it might be an illness I just can't turn off. <laughs> but uh, no, I don't take days off. That doesn't mean you don't have to take days off. Um, if you can manage it well and move everything, slide everything up into the into the work week, and then find yourself some time to take the weekends off. But um, if you're taking weekends off in a startup, I would, I would ask you how well is your company doing? Uh, who do you have on board? Are they making up for that work? Because I've have yet to have a weekend I've I've just completely taken off, and I've said to myself, "Oh, you know what? I'm just not going to do nothing today." Um, I have not had that in two years. I haven't had that. Nope. So, don't think you have to compare yourself to what I'm saying. I'm just letting you know that uh, days off are far and few between when it comes to this uh, this life we're living. Um, so yeah, uh, like, like I was saying earlier in this, in this podcast, find little parts of the day that you take little vacations in, you know, like take an hour or two hour vacation, do what you like. If it's video games, fine. If it's reading, fine, but do it during the day, uh, just to go cold Turkey for a weekend or a full day. I can't do it. If you can do it, power to you and not have anything you have to catch up on. Cause anytime I've taken like an evening off um, after working the whole morning, I come back, wake up, I have so much crap to catch up on. Um, it just never ends. It never ends. There's always something to work on. And if you are finding yourself with free time, there's a good possibility that if you thought hard enough and long enough, you probably find a lot of crap you should probably get on and do. So I know that eats away at me. So I would just say, uh, if you are, yeah, take your days off, but, uh, do it when it's, when it's right, when it's convenient. Don't just say, oh crap, I got... 100 things to do today. You know what? I'll do it tomorrow. I don't know if that's going to work out too well for you. Um, let me see here. Uh, what characteristics do you look for in partners? Uh, you know, 
it really depends on who you are. So I, a lot of times when you look for partners, what you want is you want somebody that's always going to be there, someone that's gonna that's gonna put in the amount of work that yet that you find uh, worthwhile. You know, someone that can match your tenacity. Obviously, if you're the starting, you're the founder. It's gonna be hard for someone to match your tenacity because it's your baby. It's something you started. So when you're looking for a partner, um, sometimes it's good to find someone who's got a skill set that you're not necessarily strong in. So like if you're a, a deal maker, but you're not really good on the technical side of things, find somebody who is good on the technical side of things and, and vice versa. So find somebody who kind of patches up your weaknesses. So first assess your weaknesses, then find somebody who can come on in and help work on your weaknesses or at least completely take those responsibilities under their wing. Um, you want someone who's passionate, not someone who's who is there um, just to be there and say they work in a startup. You want someone who actually has an emotional tie to the mission of the company. So that's that's what I would say with that. So um, we're around 33 minutes, guys. If you really like this types of episodes, I personally find them very enjoyable. I think they're very free form. I think you guys get a lot of valuable stuff out of it. I'm moving topics around. I think it keeps it fresh. So this is our second episode of the Q&A. If you really did enjoy it, let me know. Leave us a positive review. Um, I will hopefully be dropping a YouTube video soon um, for for Cube Wealth at Cube Wealth. Please follow the page, guys. Subscribe. Turn push notifications on. Recommend this to people. You know, we're trying to help as many people as we can. So uh, I hope you all found this very enjoyable. Like I said, let us know if you like this. We'll definitely do more. If you have questions, email us. We'll start compiling more and more and more and do a third episode and a fourth and a fifth. All right, guys. Happy and healthy New Year to you all. Take care and I'll catch you all. Peace.